up, White Sox fans? Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox. And you're watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure to tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us at section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can hit on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws out, and the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley, and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Dwayne Wise. Pitch starts now. What's going on, White Sox fans, and welcome to South Burbs Hitmen. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel. I'm joined by my White Sox brother in arms, Vinny Parisi. Vinny, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing wonderful. The White Sox are winning 4-1 as we record this and as we speak, so... I'm pretty excited about it. Let's make it seven in a row. Let's have a good show. Yeah, and now we actually do have the breaking news of that footage from the White Sox game. We're going to play it real quick. Gavin Sheets got a hold of one. Let's take a look. And Gavin hits a bullet to right field. This is gone. An absolute missile from Gavin Sheets. The wind was no match. And it's four to one. Pitching coach comes out, and you're looking for something in the strike zone, and that's the way the ball gets out in right field. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable stuff. Uh, Nice to see the boys get out to an early lead, Vinny. Um, Before we bring on our special guest who's here in the wings, just real quick, I want to dive into your your thoughts about the the past weekend against the Red Sox because that has to do with what we're going to dive into. Yeah, so the Boston Red Sox are off to a slow start this season. They were two wins away from the World Series last year. I respect pretty much every single hitter in that lineup. For the most part, there are a couple guys, but they've gotten good pitching, and I see their record as – I don't see it as a barometer of the talent on their team. I see that as a quality series win for the White Sox, and I believe by the time it is all said and done, we will look back on the Red Sox series win as a good one because I don't think they're going to play this bad all season long. I just don't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you as well. And uh, without further ado, Vinny, we're going to bring on our guest. 
Uh, Gabrielle Starr, she's the founder of Girl at the Game podcast, and she covers various baseball teams, including the Boston Red Sox. So, Gabrielle, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I'm sitting. We just moved, so I'm literally sitting with my computer on a box with boxes (laughs) behind me. This is my desk. My desk is a box, and I'm sitting on the floor. (laughs) I just moved back in March, and I did the same thing for, like, five different shows. I'm talking like my neck just was killing me by the end of the night. Everything you know, the thing is, my desk is unpacked, it's just covered in stuff. Yeah, so. that happens from time to time. <laughs> so, Go rough ahead, weekend for the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, I, I think the, the White Sox uh, got away with a couple. Uh, well, the bullpen kind of helped us out, and it's kind of a, a bit of your kryptonite at the moment. But, Vinny, uh, I'll, I'll let you lead things off here. Uh, what do you, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, Gabrielle, first of all, thank you for joining our show. How are you doing? I'm yeah, good. You. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. It's always great to have you on. Um, yeah, it was a tough weekend between the White Sox and the Red Sox. Do you agree with what I said before we brought you on? Are the Red Sox this bad? Or am I going to look back at this series win and see it as a quality one for the White Sox down the road? So I actually wrote a column about this for fansided.com last week where I said that everything is wrong with the Red Sox and yet nothing is wrong. And what I mean by that is a thousand percent this team should be better than they are. You have a lineup with several silver slugging all-stars. You have a bullpen with some postseason experience. They shouldn't be as bad as they are. That's absolutely 100% the case. On the other hand... They're really bad, uh, and there's no <laughs> excuse for it because, like I said, when you have a lineup with World Series champions, silver slugging, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and I, I just want to point out, Xander Bogarts led the American League in hits and, I believe, batting average in the month of April, and it speaks to how absurdly messed up this team is right now that he did that, and the team still has the record that they have. It's You know, there were plenty of games where we were getting excellent starts from our rotation and they're getting no run support. And the long running joke that I have is, you know, that you're a full ace in MLB when you get no run support. You see it with Jacob deGrom, Zach Wheeler, and now Garrett Whitlock, you know, and Nathan Evaldi. Like they're getting no run support. And it's like, where the hell are the bats? You know, J.D. Martinez hit a grand slam when the Red Sox were down something like nine to one. And I think it was to the Orioles maybe, or I don't even know. I've lost track, but the point is I was like, of course the only grand slam that they hit one of the few home runs that they've hit all season is what you would call a garbage time grand slam. And that just speaks to how befuddling this team is right now. So do you think it's strange that, okay, so let's say a team like the White Sox who are hoping to win their seventh straight game tonight, but it was after eight straight losses, you know, a couple a week prior to that. But the Red Sox have, I believe it's the top six in the batting order. A typical Red Sox top six right now all have 10 RBIs or more. And the White Sox don't have a single guy who have reached that milestone as of tonight's game. So, like, what is going on with that? Like, everybody, the consensus, and me included, the bats on the Red Sox aren't producing and they need to be better. Yet, you look at some of the numbers and – they don't suggest that the offense has been as bad as it is, or is that just crazy talk? So in certain ways, I mean, again, it's the same situation where it's like, it's both appalling and also not surprising. They're both not in a 
troubling state and they are for one thing like you mentioned the bullpen has been a huge problem and so even when you have those rare nights where the Red Sox are putting good runs on the board it doesn't matter the Red Sox I I don't remember it wasn't against the the White Sox I don't think I think it was the Angels series maybe they all blur together at this point it's like one hellish just blob (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it was the Red Sox took a 4-3 lead into the ninth on a Xander Bogarts home run that was their first late and close home run of the entire season. And this was last week. So that's like basically a full month almost of play where you're not hitting a home run late and close. And they take it into the ninth, blow a save. Tenth inning comes around. All of a sudden they are losing 10-4 to four in the top of the tenth bullpen so it's like even even when they are scoring runs for starters they're not scoring enough you know they might have a bunch of guys with a lot of rbi but clearly it's not consistent enough you know they're having a one blowout game where they score seven runs then they're having you know 17 shutouts i don't know they're leading mlb in blown saves the bullpen era is rising rapidly they don't have a set closer Garrett Whitlock is in this horrible position where he's finally becoming the starter that he's supposed to be. And everyone's like, crap, we need him in the bullpen because there's literally no one else. It's like, well, no, but this is what he's supposed to be doing. And it's not his fault that the entire rest of the bullpen can't figure it out. And yet they're, and so the Red Sox are in this tough position, not to mention they have over the last week, they've had, about seven different bad news injury situations come up, you know, COVID IL of vaccinated players, another setback for our old friend, Chris sale, uh, James Paxton, another setback. So it's like the sky is falling in every possible way. Basically. I completely understand. I mean, I still, I want to believe they could turn it around because I love when they dominate the AL East. Nobody wants to see the New York Yankees doing this good. And we have them next weekend, Friday, Ooh. Saturday, Sunday. This, yeah, this, this weekend. That's yeah, so annoying. That guaranteed Rayfield, I know. I, I hope the White Sox really take it to them. I, you know, they, they need to hit better. I, I don't think three or four runs a game will fly with them. But you mentioned Chris Sale. Moncada came back after starting the year with the oblique injury. And Kopech is on the mound tonight. Obviously, those two guys were acquired by the White Sox for Chris Sale. From an outsider perspective, fans of another team, what's your take on Moncada and Kopech and what they might bring to the White Sox this season and in the future? Yeah, I saw your tweet today, um, your Moncada Kopech tweet. Yeah. I mean, look, so here's my thing with Sale, because I actually had a tweet about him last week where I was like, this might be one of the worst contract extensions in the history of the franchise. Note that I didn't say trade, because I still think that the trade was a good decision. Because, look, mm-hmm. they got a World Series out of it with Chris yep. Sale being the one getting the final out, bringing Manny Machado to his knees. So it's like an iconic, I mean, it's a GIF, it's a photo, it's a video. Like it's, that's what you make trades like this for. You make the outrageous prospect trades to get a guy like Chris Sale used to be. The issue is that the Red Sox, I think were riding so high on that world series that they, ignored they kind of threw caution to the wind and gave sale that extension even though he still had a year on his deal he had been hurt for a significant chunk of the 2018 season and they could have waited and seen you know 
okay, like, how is he going to do in spring training? How is he going to do in spring 2019? Because the thing is, if they do that, if they don't jump the gun, Chris Sale is not a Boston Red Sox. And it doesn't bring me pleasure to say it, but factually speaking, he has missed the last three opening days. When he did come back from Tommy John last year, he was not the same pitcher. He was hurt or or tired every year that he'd been here before that. And I'm not taking away from how incredible he was when he was like that Chris Sale. But it's been a really long time since he's been that guy. And I don't know if he can get back to that. He's had so many setbacks. He's had COVID multiple times and he is not vaccinated. So even if he is back, you know, he can't pitch in Toronto, which is a huge issue if this team figures their crap out and actually makes a play for something postseason wise. And so it's like, you're paying this guy $20 million for, for what? And that's, I mean. Yeah, I, I completely understand. I mean, I'm of the opinion that both teams are allowed to win a trade and the Red Sox certainly got what they needed out of that deal. There's no doubt about it. I mean, as Sox, as White Sox fans, we know what it's like to have an ace that had a win and a save in the World Series. Talking about Mark Burley and to see Chris yeah. Sale do that for you guys was outstanding. And I was rooting for him big time. But you talk about extensions. And when it comes to the Boston Red Sox and extensions, obviously it's going to end up leading to a conversation about Xander Bogarts. And I think everybody in Red Sox land wants that to happen. I know you're one of them. I, I read your stuff all the time. You, <laughs> you, you want him you want him back. So what's your take on that situation? What's your prediction? Anything you got for me on that? Well, the other, the last thing I'll just add on the sale Mankata Kopech thing is mm-hmm. I, I personally don't think it's possible to fully gauge the winner and loser of a trade or even just no winners and losers, just kind of analyze a full trade until it's like done until the book is closed on both careers because, or in this case, multiple careers, because, you know, you can have, like you said, you can have, you know, a Chris sale, a guy in their prime and you can have untested unproven prospects. And it's like, well, there's no winners and losers of this. I mean, yes, in the short term, the Red Sox got a world series, but we won't know until we're looking back on this in the rear view mirror. Um, As for Xander Bogarts, my number one thing is like, this would hurt me if he leaves, it will hurt me more than Mookie. Because for me, Xander, I mean, for starters, Xander has been around a little bit longer. He and now Jackie Brownlee Jr. Cause he's back are the longest tenured players on this Red Sox team. He's a homegrown player. He's been with the Red Sox Bogart since he was 16 years old. They discovered him and his brother in Aruba when they were teenagers. He has been with this organization for almost half his life. He's 29 now. And he has already done what we call the David Ortiz thing, where he approached the Red Sox about an extension and took a hometown discount. And if you read David Ortiz's book, he took hometown extensions every single time his free agency came around because the Red Sox were trying to cheap out on him and go for flashy free agents. And hmm, what does that sound like? It sounds like paying Trevor's story while telling Xander he can go F himself. And I'm, you know, it's no hate to Trevor's story. It's just that the Red Sox have been doing this for literally decades of this owner. The, you know, we're two decades into this Red Sox ownership now. And despite having like eight GMs in that span, I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, it's like six or seven GMs maybe in this span slash interim. They do the same thing every time. They have a great person right there in their backyard and they still 
go looking in someone else's. It's like the, the Little Mermaid song. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. Appreciate what you have in your freaking lake. Xander Bogarts has two World Series rings, silver sluggers. He is a leader in this team. He is Xander. He is Devers' mentor. He is respectful and, and great. And he is exactly the kind of player that you want helming your team. Is he as good defensively as other shortstops? No. Is he as bad as people like to say because they look at absurdly advanced nitpick stats to make him out? Watch him play. Watch him make amazing diving grabs and watch him hit. Because this is a guy who has been slugging his butt off all spring. And yes, the team sucks. But he's not the one going 0 for 4 against the White Sox. That's Trevor's story. Or maybe that was against the Angels. I, you know, the point is Xander's doing his job. And his yeah. reward for that is the Red Sox being like, hey, first of all, will you switch positions after 10 years? Second of all, we don't want to pay you. Third of all, we're going to exceed the luxury tax to pay this guy instead. Put him next to you in the infield and uh, have you just like expecting that we're just going to tell you thanks, but no thanks when you opt out in the fall. It's going to break my heart, but he should opt out. And the thing is that when they keep doing this over and over and over again, good players with a shred of sense in their mind aren't going to want to come here. They're not going to want to get drafted here. They're not going to want to sign here. They're going to put the Red Sox on their no trade list because nobody wants to come and dedicate themselves to a team that's just going to go and throw them out for the next flashy thing. That makes sense. It's true. I'm very mad. Yeah, no. By the and, way. And I, appreciate, okay. no, I appreciate the p passion. I'm worried we have stuff like that coming up with Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito over the next couple of years. I mean, not giving him, you know, I think they were at $50,000 odds. You know, yeah, right? That was, a, you know, that was the dumbest I, I thing ever. Or Trey Mancini, the same thing, where they're yeah, I'm like, exactly. you're paying literally no one. Exactly. And you're the Orioles. You haven't won anything in in decades. Their yeah. I think their last World Series was when they beat the Phillies in like 1983 or something. Yeah. I mean, you. Exactly. you no, Ripken was still playing. You can't pay Trey Mancini. <laughs> you haul Trey Mancini out as your poster boy, cancer surviving comeback player of the year, Trey Mancini. So you're gonna tout him out for everything all year last year, but then you're you're gonna fight him over less than a million dollars when your payroll is $12. Really? Yeah, exactly. It's like going I out to dinner with that friend that's like, oh, well, um, you had six French fries and I only had two. So do you want to pay, like, do you want to divide the French fry cost up by that? Like, shut up. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and we get it. So, Joe, I know you got a couple <laughs> questions to ask. Um, yeah, totally. Take it away. Yeah, Gabrielle, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, as White Sox fans, I think what we all want to know is, is the AL East as good as everyone says? I and mean, we look at the division, you see the records, the Yankees are 20 and eight. You know, the, at the start of the year, the Sox were considered the favorites in the American League to start the year. Now they had a slow start and now all the power rankings are all over the place. My Sox um, or your Sox? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm changing. Uh, the White Sox were the yeah. favorites in the American League, and they had a slow start. Well, I guess both Sox had a slow start. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now we're getting it back together. But is the AL East this good, and is the pennant going to have to go through that division? I mean, 
It's tough. I look. It's such a weird year. You had a short spring training. You had a totally messed up off season. You had, you know, weird free agency. There are a bunch of players who are still even unsigned. And, you know, then of course you still have COVID um, because it's never going to end. It has been like all of my predictions went out the window, basically week one. Um, And my predictions, by the way, for people who are saying like, I'm a Homer, were not Red Sox. Um, I was picking Blue Jays for the East. I honestly can't tell because my thing is like with the Yankees, even the years that they get off on a hot, hot start, all of their, you know, muscle macho guys are injured, you know, halfway through the season. So I never know what to expect from them anymore because it's not like the Yankees when we, when we were kids, the Red Sox, like I, like, I don't even care. I'm dead inside. So it's fine. Um, I've had my happiness. Like I had four world series rings, like I'm fine. So I, all I want at this point every year is watchable baseball I thought I would be getting that this year, considering it's literally the same roster as last year, plus some very expensive upgrades. But no, apparently not. Apparently that made it worse. So I'm out on the Red Sox. Like, I'll be happy if they win, like, 80 games. Um, I mean, I won't be happy, but, like, I'll be like, whatever. Just don't be the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Your team, I I can't figure them out. Um, I really, at this point, I can't really figure out anybody. Um, the twins, I'm like, I still don't think that they, you know, yeah, they got Correa, but for starters, like, I think Correa sucks. Um, so do we, he's obviously obviously (laughs) talented, but I despise him. Um, you know, I don't think they have all the pieces yet. I think that they're definitely going to be better, but I, I don't think that they're fully whatever actually fun story my dad is grew up in boston and minnesota and yesterday he's like who's this byron buxton apparently he's the greatest player on earth and i'm just like well (laughs) he's really good when he's healthy but like that's the thing the when he's healthy it's the same thing as chris sale you know he was really good when he was healthy i i honestly at this point total crapshoot like come back to me in a month and we'll have a completely different conversation and hopefully the red sox are not at all like this and the white Sox are doing well but i you know my only thing is i hope it's not the yankees that's the way i was gonna go i want them to lose forever like yeah that's the way i was gonna go give everyone a chance to like catch up they're basically they're like the celtics before the lakers you know became a dynasty basically Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say is there any way there's no way the yankees can possibly keep up the pace they're at they're 20 and 8 They've won 20 and the Mets have won 20, which I think is hilarious because a Mets, Mets Yankees world series would just like, I think the world might actually like, that might be the kill switch that like ends the simulation that we're all in. So to speak, like, <laughs> it's just, like we can't have a subway world series. Um, that's one team though. Like I cover the Phillies. I have a spot, soft spot for the Phillies. Um, the Mets, I'm like in a hard place because on the one hand, Buck Showalter deserves to smile because when he was coaching the Ori- managing the Orioles, he literally just like never smiled. And he was he was like, if Hello Darkness, my old friend, was like in in human form, that was him. Nice. Um and I just I mean, he's a good manager. So he deserves to like actually have a good team to manage. And the Mets, I mean, look, Scherzer, I love Scherzer. Yeah. So my very long-winded answer is I have no freaking clue. The National 
league West is insane. Every single team as of like yesterday was above 500. I'm like, Oh, that must be nice. My team's like below sea level, but congrats on all of your teams being 500. Like even the diamondbacks are above 500. How? Yeah, I no. don't know. Not um, for long. No, probably not. The Mariners. I'm like, this team deserves happiness. I feel like they've been building for 17 years and Jerry DePoto just like literally like doing deals from hospital beds when he has surgeries. I'm like, you like you deserve something for all of that. Yeah. Um, but I really can't tell you because yeah. it's just, it's so mind boggling. Like the season went so many different directions. It's kind of actually, I liken it to the Correa signing of like, we thought that there were seven or 10 ways that this season could go so far. Mm-hmm. The same way we thought like, Oh, Correa is going to go here, 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 or here. And then like totally out of left field. It's like, actually we're doing none of those things. Carlos Correa is a Minnesota twin and was almost a Baltimore Oriole. And none of you have any idea what's happening. That's how yeah. I feel about this season. I feel like we're in like the MLB version of Carlos Correa's entire negotiation. And he'll opt out yeah. after this year. No, of course. That's the new thing. It's, it's, as I hate to say it, but it's the Trevor Bauer thing. High yearly, like annual value opt outs. I mean, technically, Xander Bogart's had this too, because mm-hmm. everyone keeps saying he's a free agent after this year, but it's not. It's that he's under contract until I think 25 or 26, but he has opt outs every year starting this year. So the Red Sox, I mean, Bauer likes to say that he did that first, but. Bogarts did that starting in 2019 where it was like after three seasons you can opt out every single year for like the final three or four years yeah yeah that's that's wild that whole that whole scenario the league is changing in such a rapid pace I hate it and uh I don't think any of us are gonna be able to keep up with it but it's brutal I'm with you there (laughs) um so I asked you about the AL East and and all that but I'm curious from an outsider's perspective you know how do you see the White Sox? Like, how how does the the rest of the nation see it? Because us White Sox fans, we see us as like this big contender that's ready to rock and roll. Um, after the finish to last year, we only win one game against the Astros in the playoffs. I'm just curious, how are the White Sox perceived, uh, especially on the East Coast? <laughs> so I'm not sure if I'm like exactly the right person to ask, only because I have a lot of family in Chicago, and so sure, sure. For me, like having Midwest family. I had a lot of Cubs and White Sox like chatter going on. And so I think, I think more than, you know, they say like the East coast elites or like the West coast, you know, whatever. I think I I dial in more. I don't think, I think a lot of people, and I think this goes for both the NL and the AL. I feel like every year, both the AL and NL central, they're kind of like the middle child. They kind of get lost in the shuffle a lot. Um, you know, maybe not 2016 when you had like the crazy like Cleveland versus Chicago situation going down. But for the most part, I mean, you think about the teams that are in it almost every year and you would think it should be the White Sox. But for whatever reason, you know, they're they're not close enough or they're just getting like outgunned or they're playing the Astros and no one can trust the Astros. Right. I think that the White Sox are really good. And I think that they should be really good. You guys have great pitching. I mean, I never really got the Tony La Russa hiring because I'll be honest. I thought you guys were going to hire Cora. I didn't think the Red Sox were going to hire him back. I thought the Red Sox, I thought he 
would go somewhere else because he wanted a clean slate. They wanted a clean slate. And I thought he'd be a good fit for the White Sox because you guys have a young team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really get the La Russa thing personally. I'm not, I mean, you know, if they like him, they like him. Um, Jerry likes who, him. What? Yeah. Well, no one cares. Um, I mean, yeah. cares and it's up to him, but you know, the only reason he's whatever. here. Exactly. Um, who was the guy? Was it Yermin Mercedes? Was he yeah. the rookie that was like hitting really yeah. well that, that, um, 400 in the month of April last year, right, Vinny? Right. And yep. then like La Russa kind of, he was better than Mike Trout in every offensive statistic until the middle of May. And is he even playing now? He is, but he's hurt. He okay. hurt a broken his hand. Head. Yeah, his hand. His spring training. Okay. He'll probably. I don't know if he'll suit up for the White Sox this year. He'll definitely play for Charlotte. If they but might. Like, was use he him, was he with the big league club after that whole thing no. last year? No. Right. So he no. had. In like May, they sent him down. Right. Yeah. Right, and he was like posting on inst on like social media. Like I don't remember all the details, he's, but I just remember crazy. it was like. Yeah. I mean, I I cover the Phillies, so look, like I I know all about having like a veteran manager who makes questionable decisions, especially when it comes to rookies. Um, and my thing is like, on the one hand, you know, you have a team like the Cardinals where they fire Mike Schilt, like unexpectedly and hire a guy who's younger than a lot of players in MLB. I mean, Rich Hill's like 10 years older than the new Cardinals manager. So, and Max Scherzer is like eight years older than him. Um, And I'm not saying like, you know, either way, too young or too old, but I do think that it's important to find like a manager who gels with your clubhouse. And obviously that's hard because ideally, and in the past, a manager would be around a lot longer than players. And that's like a whole different conversation because, you know, for one thing, players used to be around for a long time. You'd have guys that actually played their entire career for a team. And you'd have managers that like literally would manage one team for 20 years. Connie, like Connie Mack just like managed until he died basically and like also own the team i don't even know how that would even happen today but the point being like there's so much turnover now and i feel like you like look at gabe kapler for example they hired him and then fired him within two years and he literally went on and won national league manager of the year with the giants last year and it's like well maybe you didn't give this guy a chance to actually gel with your clubhouse but on the other hand you know if you have at least at the very least, if you have a guy like Bryce Harper, someone that's going to be around your club signed to a like full no trade clause, 10 year contract. I'm not saying give him a say in who you're hiring. I'm just saying like, maybe go to dinner, see how you vibe. <laughs> sure. You know, like not for him to give you any input just to kind of see like, are they like, you know, or at least ask them, you know, ask your, some of your veteran players, like, you know, even if it's anonymous, like you have them fill out a questionnaire. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally spitballing here. I just think that there's definitely a disconnect between the manager and the players on a lot of teams. And it's like, well, that can make or break some of the best constructed teams. And I'm not saying it for the Red Sox. I'm not necessarily saying it for the White Sox, but I, it was a very puzzling sign, like hiring for me. And I, and I'm not sure it's going to 
lead to success for the team, even though the team should on paper and on the field be very successful. That was a very long winded rant. No, that's, yeah. that's interesting to hear that, hear that angle. Cause you know, we were, I wasn't sold on Tony in the beginning and I know Vinny and I both really weren't in the beginning. I don't want to necessarily speak for you, Vinny, but I think we're both on the same page there. You know, AJ Hinge is another guy that we looked at. Um, but he had some feuds in the beginning of the year last year, but I feel like he kind of calmed down towards the playoffs. Um, the bullpen yeah. management's been good to start the year. Um, I mean, I think he's adapted hope. also. I yeah. think that was part of it was like he came in with like a very set certain style of managing. And I think he's definitely been more flexible with that because I think the Mercedes thing was like a perfect example of like, he was kind of doing that very old school managing. And it's like, well, you know, when you have young stars today and you have a guy who hasn't managed since 2011, like the yes. game is so different from 10 years ago. The game's different from five years ago. Like if you're, you gotta, you gotta adapt. And I think that he's done a better job of that now, but I still yeah. don't know if it's going to be enough, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that whole Mercedes thing was a wake-up call. Vinny, go ahead. Yeah, I do too, and I think because there was such like an outcry, you know. And he's actually—I don't know if he actually uses it that much, but he's actually on social media, which is funny when you think about it, because a lot of younger managers aren't, but he is. And I think most of it's for his like annual animal rescue. It's endeavors, for the animal which stuff, is lovely. Yeah. But you have to assume that every once in a while, when he logs on, someone's in his mentions like what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you know, he's seeing things like I, I wrote today about how Nick Castellanos doesn't, he has a flip phone. He doesn't even have an iPhone. His mom says he has a flip phone because he doesn't want to deal with the noise of social media. And Bryce Harper turns off all the comments on this post because he doesn't want to see anything. Um, and meanwhile, you have MLB managers like Cora is also on Twitter. Um, you have MLB managers who are actually like putting themselves out there. And that's kind of crazy to me. And even crazier that La Russa is one of them, but I yeah, mean, he's definitely. I'll tell you, there's no way he operates his account. <laughs> I don't think there's any way he operates his own account. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Most me. athletes, a lot of athletes don't. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you saw, I don't mean to like just destroy all your favorite teams right now, but you saw a couple of days ago, I think it was Friday or Thursday, the Phillies blew a seven to one lead. Like your mean Mercedes hits a home run. Oh, my, like, jo my, my jaw was on the floor. That's what I'm saying. I, but it's I literally keep playing until the game is over. Your mean Mercedes so try to hit a home run, no matter how big you're leading because it's professional. Well, but that's also a Chris Woodward thing. I mean, did you see that Tatis's name was trending on Twitter today? And it's because Woodward was complaining about Yankee stadiums. Like, I guess it was something about Yankee stadium woodward's complaining and so then everyone's little bringing league up ballpark, that he was he was complaining yeah a little league ballpark which like it is kind of um and then so of course that led to everyone bringing up woodward's tatis thing from two years ago the COVID last year, year yeah yeah so yeah so 2020 and like bringing up tatis and it's like you know it's funny because we think of like guys like tony as being I'm not going to say the curmudgeons, but kind of like the old school guys. But here you have a younger guy too, like Woodward, who's like, well, in my day, we didn't swing at 3-0. and It's like, shut up. It's not your day. Yeah. Right. No one I cares. Go take a bath. <laughs> no doubt. Go take so, a bath. 
<laughs> Gabrielle, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show today. It's been an absolute blast. I love yeah, having thank you. conversations and you, you take it to the next level. So we appreciate all your work. Do you want to plug what you do before you head on out? Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, as I sit here and I can't feel my legs because the floor <laughs> is not comfortable. Um, so I'm an editor at Fansided. I cover the Phillies, the Padres, um, like general MLB stuff for our main fansided.com. I'm the founder of Girl at the Game. It's sports by women for everyone. You can check us out on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. It's just girl at the game, all one word, lowercase. Um, and I'm GF Star One on Twitter. You probably already have me blocked, and I respect it. Yep, just blocked you this morning. No, I'm kidding. I would never. <laughs> never. It's okay. I have like 17 <laughs> work burners. So, you know, John Heyman has me blocked. And I'm like, little do you know, you follow my work account, dude. I have a couple of those too. Don't worry. People people who block me, <laughs> I still see you. I still see you. It's okay. That's fine. So just make sure you give Gabriella a follow at GF Star One on Twitter and check out everything she's got going on. Gabrielle, we really appreciate your time. Hope to have you on again in the future. Anytime, guys. Go socks. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. all socks. Go, go We're not playing socks. each other. I agree. Go, it's a pair of socks, guys. Yeah. Mismatch. We, uh, Mismatch, but it's a pair of socks. There's one Mismatch more in socks. May at Guaranteed Great Field. I'll be at one of the games Wednesday the 25th. But other than that, oh, go I'm both jealous. socks. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, of course. No problem. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Gabriel. Right, what a what a great guest. Absolutely, great insight into the and I would I almost said the White Sox into into the Red Sox, and from the White Sox from an outsider's perspective. So, uh, I tell you what, yeah. it was a hell of a sweep. It was, and we get to enjoy it. I mean, I, I feel bad. I know what it's like for your team to stink, and you know, not be certain about what the future is going to hold for your favorite team. But I do believe. I, I look at the ERAs of the Red Sox pitchers and. The White Sox used Vince Velasquez and Dallas Keuchel in the series. And, yeah, Velasquez had a nice start against the Angels, struck out Mike Trout three times. I get the whole thing. That doesn't mean I go into every Vince Velasquez start just believing he's going to dummy whoever he's playing. He doesn't have the track record. Right. He's not Dylan Cease. He's not Michael Kopech or Lucas Giolito, these guys that I trust like that. And him and Keuchel had a good series, and it allowed the White Sox to sweep him. And now you go to the Guardians with Kopech, with Giolito you know, cease. So it's going to be interesting. I think, I think the Red Sox bats will heat up when the weather heats up. Can For we sure. talk about that? Can White Sox really too. Break? Yeah, no doubt. To wrap up the Red Sox series though. Yeah. Did your jaw hit the floor as much as mine when Robert hit that ball to Pluto? Dude, I don't think, I don't think that ball ever landed. I mean, I saw that. So I wasn't watching the game live. I was, I was doing some stuff with my kid, but then I, I got the up, the uh, the notification on my phone from MLB that Robert hits a moonshot, whatever, and I literally my jaw pretty much dislocated itself. Uh, how is it possible to hit a ball that far when there's all these dead balls? It had to be left over from last year, right? Yeah, and I've heard multiple major league pitchers say that every ball is different and they all feel different, and that that's like a majorly bad look for the MLB. But I, and then I had people in my mention saying, "Well, it only went 389 feet." I'm like, yeah, but it was over the green monster. And over to hit a in order to hit a ball 380 something feet over the monster, that means the launch angle on it has to be absolutely insane. If it was at guaranteed rate field and only went 380 feet, 
then like, yeah, it would be in a right over the bullpen. Like it'd be just a traditional home run there, but it could be on a line drive. At Vinny, Fenway if that Park, ball was at guaranteed. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. If, if that ball was at guaranteed rate field, that would be on the Dan Ryan. Yeah. And would have went farther. Cause you also don't need that type of launch angle to hit a home run at guaranteed rate field. That's what makes it so impressive to me. What I was going to say before is I don't think that, th- how could they say 389 on that ball? There's no way. Yeah, I mean, there's it's all there's no way. Yeah, it's I, wrong. I never think they actually get it right. It's hard. I mean, maybe maybe if it, it lands left in the, the stadium, team. how do you measure it at three eighty nine? Yeah, I mean, it could have. I because I asked my brother who's done a Fenway tour. I don't know if you've ever been to Fenway Park or Boston in general. I have not. It's on the list. I yeah, me too. I, I probably next on my list. But um, I asked him. I said, Joe, can can that like hit a car? And he said, Oh yeah, it absolutely could hit a car. So probably it, did. Hopefully, it, I hope it broke a hope it broke a Yankee fan windshield. There you go. And r- real quick update on the on the game. Michael Kopech just worked out of a jam. Man, man on first and third, one out. Got a fly out and a, and a ground out, I believe, or two fly outs. And uh, Michael Kopech working out of trouble. Yeah, you know what I like about that, Joe. Mike Michael Kopech could just throw gas. And he could pinpoint. He could paint the strike zone with gas. And force guys to fly out or ground out if they make contact. That's the nice thing about that. Every now and then, someone will hit it to Pluto. We saw it with Chris Sale and stuff like that. But I mean, it was it was a good jam to work out of. So good call there. Yeah, four to one. I mean, good stuff right there. Um, but I think we were both impressed with that sweep over the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, impressed with Gavin Sheets working out of his slump today. Um, you might hear his name later again in the show, and it's not for a good thing. So, <laughs> Gavin. Uh, was I was one of the I was one of the few scratching my head. I we'll talk about it again later, but Jake Berger sent down today. Um, a lot of people thought it should have been Sheets, maybe Mendick. Uh, but Gavin proven he should be here. Yeah, I mean, I hate that he plays right field. He's not a right fielder, he's a bad right fielder, so is Andrew Vaughn. But yeah. um he could hit baseballs to Pluto from the left side. And I don't love the lefty-righty thing when guys are cold or hot because I would rather have hot Andrew Vaughn in a spot where you should have a lefty than Gavin Sheets not playing well. Like, the lefty-righty thing is nice if they both are equal. But they're not both equal. Tonight, Gavin Sheets had a big home run, and the White Sox are winning instead of tied 1-1 because of it. So that's nice. You know, sometimes bad decisions work out. Tonight it might. But – Going forward, Gavin Sheets better continue to hit, and I hate him in right field. I, I, and he's a friend of the program. We interviewed him, nicest man of all time. I love Gavin Sheets. He I want awesome. him to succeed. I, I have a personal, a personal want for him to succeed. I consider him a friend of the program. But if you don't play well, you don't play well. And other guys deserve to play over you. Other guys deserve to play over you. Berger, Mendick, pretty even to start the year. We had this in our group chat earlier. Mendick was actually even a little bit better over the last week or so, but I think Berger has a higher ceiling. So it's still a little bit puzzling of a move to me. Yeah. And we'll dive a little deeper into it during the guaranteed take a spoiler for the end of the show. But uh, let's, let's dive into um, our buddy, Tony, you know, this is a segment that we do every week. What is it called again, Vinny? I, I can't remember. It is called La Russa's Locker. 
real quick before we get into this segment, Yuan Moncada just got his first hit of the season. There you go. That's great to see. His on-base percentage was third in the all of the American League last year. I stumbled over my words hard right there. Yohan Moncada's on-base percentage was third in the American League last year. That is what I meant to say. Keeping it going right now. I'd like to see more power, but batting in the two-hole, we'll see. Hey, two at-bats on base twice. Obviously the first time he was hit by a pitch, but we'll take it. But all right. Tony La Russa. Vinny, uh, it's a bit of a hot topic. Uh, Gabriella kind of, or Gabrielle kind of alluded to that as well with the perception out of Chicago. How do you think Tony did this week? Um, it was fine. There was a couple things that I didn't like, but when you win, you win. That that's it. I mean, I'm sorry to say, yeah. Were there moves that were questionable that worked out? Sure, I sure. could not believe that they took out Graveman to put in Bummer in that one game. I think they were playing the Cubs. And they needed Foster to get out of Bummer's jam when Graveman had a six-inning pitch the inning before. Again, I like righty-lefty matchup when all things are equal. But all things are not equal right now between Aaron Bummer and Kendall Graveman. They're not. That's just a fact. He's on a short-term knee strain, I.L., that's a phantom IL to get him right, in my opinion. Maybe his knee hurts yeah. a little bit, but even even he said today that um, it was hoping to be a short stint, and that just proves to me that work on your pitching, get feeling better, and we'll see you in 10 days, pal. And that to yeah, me is even I was more say, There's no way. I was going to say there's no way. It's He's been brutal, and I think the White Sox clearly know that. Let him get right. We have Joe Kelly coming up, going to help us out. I hope we can see him tonight, actually. That'd be great. I would book it. The way Michael's going tonight, I think we're going to see Joe. Uh, Kopech's going great, but I think he's only yeah. going to go six. I, if I had to guess, I'd say six tonight. Yeah, I mean, maybe seven. we'll see. We'll see. I, I'd like to see him go six for once. That would be the first time we've seen him do that, I believe, in his career. And well, He's kind of cruising first- so far. Yeah, and he had the one tough first inning as a result of Gavin Jeets being a bad outfielder because he's not an outfielder. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think if Kopech does go six, or even if he is done now, I think we'll see Kelly. And everybody's ready to go. Um, they kind of used the back end of the bullpen in their final win of the series against the Boston Red Sox. That was definitely using – every pitcher available. And I think Tony likes to do that early in the season. And some people got on him for not using Hendricks. He avoided making, what was it? Six straight saves and six straight wins. That would have yeah, like, MLB record. Yeah. It, it's bum bum worthy in terms of like wanting to see it. Of course. I, I like when white Sox players break records and stuff like that. But when it comes to preserving your bullpen and keeping the season going on the right track, in hindsight, it probably was smart. Now Liam's ready for this game. He's ready for this Guardian series. And hopefully, first and foremost, he's ready for this Yankee series. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually excited, Vinny. Uh, I'm, I'm selling my tickets for Saturday, but I actually bought tickets to go on Friday for my first game of the year. So I'm excited. Very good. You're going to have a good time. I am going Saturday. I, I had to get bleacher seats for a birthday I'm going to. That's why uh, – I'm sorry. I didn't take you up on your tickets. But the 
the bleacher seats, it's it's for a pretty rowdy party that I'm actually kind of excited because yeah. it's like 20 be fine, people then. going. It's like oh, 20 see, that's people good. going. That's fine then. Yeah. I think it, that sucks about the bleachers really is if you're fun. with people you don't know. Yeah. I'm going to be with a lot of people that I know, and it's going to be really fun. And don't worry. My main focus always is to, A, have fun with the people I'm with, but also we'll be recording Put On Your Socks from the bleachers, win or lose, yeah. you know. Hopefully, I could get a cameo or two from someone famous on White Sox Twitter. Um, I yeah. know that complete that complete Muppet My Sox Summer. He he'll probably do a video with me. I'm gonna ask him. We'll see. So we'll see what what goes. You gotta go on, find Brian Knights and do the combo thing. I know. Okay, so quick story about that. Brian Knights and I told each other we were gonna do that on this show a couple weeks ago, and then that game turned out to be. The coldest game. I literally freezing, thought right? hell. I thought hell was freezing over. I thought we were done. I I, I didn't even want to get up and go do anything. And I I don't believe did I record put on your. I don't think I recorded put on your socks from the stadium that night just because it was you, that you, cold. You, you did it in the dizzy. That's right. The dizzy bar. That's right. That's right. I went into a warm, controlled climate in order to take that video. Do you want to address this question now? Yeah, I figured, you know, finish, finish your thought, and then we can dive into the question. Yeah, I mean, just the Larusa thing, don't lose games and I'll like you. You know, yeah. your decisions, uh, if they work out, then I can't rip on them. Because technically, the decision to bring in Bummer and then let Foster get out of Bummer's jam worked. And do I think that would have happened had they brought in Graveman, who cruised six pitches in the inning prior? No, I don't. But also... Thank God for Luis Robert making that catch and running into the wall. I, I know Wrigley Field has dangerous outfield conditions, letting guys run into brick walls. But thank goodness for him. Um, other than that, I really have no complaints for Larusa. Tonight's lineup is proof that when everybody's available to him, he will put the right lineup. I can't rip on tonight's lineup. Pollock. Batting seventh. Moncada is great as a two-hitter because of the on-base percentage. With, now that Roberts developed and ready to be a major league star, batting him fourth behind Abreu. I, I just like the top five right now. When you add Jimenez, I think sky's the limit. So go ahead and you can address that question. Yes, I will address the question. But before we do, we have a – I don't want to say a special guest, but we have one of our own White Sox brothers joining us, Stephen Zim Zimmerman. How are you, my hey! friend? Hello, friends. Hey, it's That's been a couple a weeks. Good time. to see you guys. How's it going? It's good to see you too, man. Just in yeah. time, we got a question from the chat that I would love to get your answer on. Sure, Cliff let's hear it. Victoria, what do you guys think of the Sox chances this year? Will they be contenders? Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think I think we knew that before the season started. I think we're seeing why now. Um, sure they had some struggles last month, but I mean that was last month. Um, team was not healthy. Um, Tony was playing with the lineup, trying to, you know, make sure everybody's getting their early season reps, get the jitters out and everything, um, get it out of the way early so that we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff in September. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't think we can judge the whole season based off of what's happened this last month. It's, it's way, way agreed. too early. There's, I mean, let's put it this way. You guys think the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now or no. the best team in baseball this season? Excuse me. No, for sure. Right. Not even right but, now. But right now they've got the best record in baseball. So, yeah. So, so did we a few weeks more. ago. I couldn't agree with them more. I mean, 
Let, let's think of the eight-game losing streak. Keuchel had two of the losses. Vince Velasquez had two of the losses. Jimmy Lambert had one of the losses. And I'm pretty sure Cease and Giolito each had starts where they got, gave up three runs or less, but the offense didn't carry them. When you're injured like that and the starting pitching doesn't deliver what it can or the offense is cold, you go on losing streaks. And Cliff says, hate the Yankees. I think we were all kind of along those lines. <laughs> I don't know who doesn't. Um, <laughs> You're either a Yankees fan or a Yankees hater. There's nobody who's like, yeah, I don't really mind the Yankees. Yeah, it's the fans for me. I mean, this year's Yankee team is actually, in terms of the player personnel, are somewhat likable because I do like how Judge and Stanton went out there and like tried to get those D-bag fans to stop throwing shit at Cleveland yeah. Guardians players. And I think Judge kind of aiming to like hit free agency. I think that's kind of funny on his part. Like, you know, that's really cool. Like spurn the, make them pay you judge, make them pay, stop being the cheap old Yankees that they're starting to become. That part to me is nice, but yeah, gross Yankee fans. Yeah. I think they're, they're big time contenders and I think they're going to run away with this division. I really do give it, give it another couple of weeks here. Um, we're only what I think three back right now. That's going to change here real quick. Uh, going back to the game right now, Kopech is two-thirds of the way through the sixth inning with his sixth strikeout of the night. Looks like Michael's going to go at least six tonight, Vinny. I'd, prob- I'd be shocked if he came back for seven. Yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for this guy. He's on an innings limit on the season, but last start he had four. There's some weather issues at Wrigley Field. You know, it wasn't the best pitching conditions of all time. He still looked good. I think you let him go here. He's at, what is that, 85 pitches? And, hey, this guy's money. He, the, yeah. earned, the run is not earned. It was Ga- a Gavin Sheets error. And he's just so good, guys. Yeah, he's he's sick nasty right now. This I feel like this whole staff is. And just wait till we get Lance Lynn back. Um, Keuchel even looked good yesterday. And uh, I guess before we move on <laughs> – to the next segment uh zim since you since you've been haven't been with us for a couple weeks i I gotta get your thoughts on on daly the last two weeks compared to today because i he didn't even look like the same guy or not today yesterday sorry yeah yeah yesterday yesterday was that crazy like unbelievable game he had right yeah i'm mixing that up with the damn good okay no no, sorry really good yesterday this weekend's been a blur guys like it oh, has good, been no. one thing after another after another, but I know he had that real good start. He he looked, he got back on track to where he needed to be. Wow, is this CB Buckner behind the plate tonight? Yeah, <laughs> I just happened to notice. What's that? I don't I don't think it is, but he's not great. Okay, I I don't I just saw a really bad blown call and assumed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, Joe West. Um, yeah, right. Um, at any rate, no, I mean, he had a I, I don't know if he went out and got himself a slump buster somewhere or what, but he looked like a totally different guy. Uh, Keiko, that is. He really looked like the guy that we thought we got when he came over from the Astros um, and not the guy who was on the mound most of last year. Now, we see if that's going to continue or not. You know, Velasquez has also had a good couple of starts in his last few outings. Yeah. Um, is it something that cats has helped figure the, has helped these guys to figure out, excuse me, tripping over my tongue there, but I just, 
can't help but wonder like what's happening that all these guys seem to be turning it on at the same time. Something in the clubhouse, I think, is clicking and jiving right now, and it's both in the bullpen and uh, on the bench. So these guys are all starting to vibe right now. Everybody's feeling good. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's it's really fun to see. That's for sure. And as you say that, Michael, with the seventh strikeout of the night, ending the sixth through six, White Sox lead four to one. But uh, I have I have to agree with you, Zim. <clears throat> There's something in the water. Uh, I know what it is with Daly. For me, with Dallas, it's it's that he knows he's probably the odd man out when Lance Lynn comes back, um, unless they go with a six man, which I would be shot. Well, maybe they will. I, is that a real conversation to have, Vinny? Because I know Steve Sohn talked about it a little bit last night. Um, I don't know. With, I just can't see them doing that. With Kopech being on a pitch count, like Vinny said earlier, I think it's completely reasonable. Vinny, what do you have to say? Well, they announced – okay, so they were being shady about who was going to start Wednesday. And that made me think, like, okay, is Lance Lynn coming back? Or are they calling up Cueto? And then LaRusso spoke to the media before the game today and confirmed that Vince is actually going to start Wednesday. They're going to give Cueto another one in AAA Thursday, I want to say it is. And Lance Lynn is actually looking more like a June, early June return rather than a mid-May return. So, which I think is fine. Let Lance get to 100%. We saw what letting Yaz get to 100% did for him last year, and it was the same exact injury. So, yeah, let Lance get back to 100%. He'll be half he'll be so much more rested by the time the postseason rolls around. I think they need that guy big time in the postseason, especially with his attitude and his will to win attitude, the gimme the freaking ball attitude. And, you know, so shout out Lance. I I would put Keuchel in the bullpen and use him as a lefty bullpen specialist and run Giolito, Lynn, Kopech, Cease, um, Velasquez. Velasquez. You could could do Velasquez, Cueto as a duo and rotate who's the number five based on lefty-righty if you want. But I don't even or, – or based on who's doing better, use one of them in the bullpen. We have to know by the 15th for Cueto, otherwise he's opt-out. So that that's a big issue right there, which the, the final start will probably determine what the White Sox allow him to do. I would go five and then Velasquez, Cueto split it, the other be in the bullpen, and then Keiko be in the bullpen – I'm sorry to say that probably means Burr back to AAA, and it probably means Sousa back to AAA. I would keep Tanner Banks. That's just how I would roll it. I don't know how you guys Sousa, feel about Sousa's that. Sousa's been him. dealing, man. I, I, I know, know. I know, but you you got to get rid of someone. Bullpen's or, too or good. Or DFA Keuchel. DFA Keuchel. I think he had a good performance yesterday. I think we overrated a little bit. I'm guilty of it, too, because I was tweeting Dallas back yesterday. You know, I'm guilty of it, too. He gave up eight hits. That's against against an ice cold Boston team. Yeah. yeah, giving up eight hits isn't the best. He only had the one walk, which is nice. That's been his big, which is doesn't that weird to you guys? When you give up walks, they always come around to score. But if they get a hit, they don't always. It's just it's so weird how walks mess with guys' psyches, and it just changes yeah. the whole dynamic of the name. Stop walking, people. I wish, man. I wish we could. <laughs> uh, but the walks always come around, and Keiko not walking people is what is the reason we won that game. So uh, for him, it was a good start, and I think we do overvalue that to a certain extent. Um, but what we don't value are guys that have crap weeks, and that's a segment we like to call the Adam Dud 
of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. There's a quite a few dud nominees this week, gentlemen. Um, I want to say I don't want to. I'm, I don't have any pitchers nominated this week, even with Daly giving up the eight hits. Uh, I have all offensive guys here. <laughs> uh, there's been a few. I'm going to let you guys lead things off, Vinny. Um, why don't you give us some of your nominees for, or your main nominee for your uh, Adam Dud Player of the Week? Yeah, so I'm going to give it to Pollock for me because they moved him up to the two hole and he still didn't do anything. He did have the game-winning run against the Cubs, which is always nice. The game-winning RBI, I guess I should say. Um, but I'd like to see more from him. I, I believe this guy can play really well. And I think Moncada coming back and guaranteeing him be out of the top six in the lineup is nice. Um, but I'm going to need better than a two for 17, four strikeouts. I believe he can provide at minimum – uh, 700-something OPS, hit a couple home runs here and there, and just be a solid bat in the bottom half of the batting order, even the bottom third of the batting order, and get things ready when they roll over back to the top of the lineup. That's all I'm looking for from Pollock. Make the Magical trade somewhat worth it for me. M- make it something, because Magical sucks. He's been awful for the Cubs, Yeah. and Cody Hoyer's out for the year. I don't think Magical actually sucks. He sucks right now, but... Yeah. You know, that's not the best environment to be playing in anyway. You can't even fully put it on Madrigal because they are bad. I think the Reds the Reds could catch them. In the, I'm not even kidding. Uh, you know, it's bad sure. over there. So make me appreciate the trade a little bit, Pollock, and I'll like you. And and he will. He's a, he's a notorious slow starter. This is mm-hmm. a guy that I, I, I strongly believe they make this trade for the late September, October push. Uh, A.J. Pollock will get it together. I can promise you that. Just hopefully he can stay healthy. That's the main thing. But tough week from from AJ. Uh, Zim, do you have a nominee for a uh, Adam Dud? Yeah, Sheets has been pretty bad. I know that we talked a little bit offline earlier today about how if he wasn't a lefty, he's probably the guy who gets sent down uh, in the totally. in the Jake Berger move today, uh, rather than Jake because I mean. Yeah, Berger's been struggling. You know, he he's got like a 35% strikeout rate on the season, so he's not seeing the ball well. But how do you see the ball better by by seeing it more? You know, he he has a chance to turn around. Sheets, we've already kind of seen who he is. He's had a lot of time at the big league level. And uh he's he's just not on one lately, you know, for for lack of a better way to put it. He's ice cold and uh I don't know if you guys saw the play he had earlier in today's game, but it's translating over to defense as well. He's just making boneheaded plays, dropping balls that should be in the glove. Um, it is what he it made is. up for it. He made up for it with the three run bomb though. Yeah. It was nice to see the three run bomb for sure. And maybe that means that he's starting to break out of it a little bit. He's starting, you know, like I said earlier, seeing more pitches, seeing it better and uh, getting, uh, getting better pitches to hit. Uh, unfortunately, Vinny's guy, AJ Pollock, just chased one out of the zone for an easy ground out to the pitcher. So, uh, you know, some, right some guys you. are, yeah, right. Some guys are starting to bust out of it and other guys are unfortunately making their case for next week already. Joe, who you got? <laughs> I'm going to go with Josh Harrison. Uh, he had a, he had a goose egg this week, uh, 0 for 11 
with uh, one strikeout. And, uh, I mean, this is a guy who just can't get it together offensively right now. I mean, even defensively, he's had a couple rough plays. But to be fair, he hasn't been playing his natural position for most of the season. But maybe he will start now. Um, maybe that'll turn things around for him. I was one guy that was pumping the fist for this signing. Real excited about it. Uh, maybe now that all the guys are there, the chemistry that he'll start getting his stuff together. But Josh Harrison had a brutal week. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing less of him until he starts turning it around. Um, rough week across the board for these three guys. And they were easy nominees for Adam to Adam Duds. But, but Vinny, what are you thinking about Josh Harrison right now? Because he's been pretty tough to watch. Yeah, I think when Josh Harrison's on his game, he could be a valuable asset who brings good former all-star level experience to the team. But you're not going to get like, you know, a premier second base, you know, offensive production from the guy. He brings a lot to the team in terms of personality and likableness. And he seems to get along with TA well, which I think is important because he's the leader of the team for the most part. Um, They have good chemistry on double plays. Um, I think him and Leary platooning second base for right now, based on who's just hotter right now, Leary's been good lately. Not even just – like he's been good he's been getting on base and yeah he was bad to start the year like really really bad but you kind of saw last year was the same thing we crapped on him in the whole first half and then he was probably one of the better players in the second half so you split those two guys um i think this team could have a good a really good lineup they're the nine hitter regardless which one you use harrison or leary and then you can use any combination of Vaughn, Sheets, Angle. Eloy will come back eventually. I, Reese McGuire, when he catches, that means he bats. So Yaz would be the DH. Um, when that happens, I think they're going to be putting lots of runs on the board. And speaking of putting runs on the board, we are going to set you up for the Put It On The Board Player of the Week. Ball deep. Way back. He looks up. You can There's another guy you could put on the board, a guy we were talking about just a few moments ago, has entered the game. Joe Kelly has entered the ball game, folks, and it's almost like we're predicting the future. We we predicted that Kopech would go six, and then out comes Kelly for the seventh. How about that? I'm worried. Why? Whenever the White Sox have like a really good pitcher, and it's a relief pitcher, they always kind of struggle out of the gate. Graveman didn't look like Graveman in his first appearance. Kimbrell was awful in his first appearance. Um, and, and Kimbrell was mostly awful, but he had some okay moments. Like there, there were times where he got them out of some jams. So, but the first that game against the Cubs, I I, I wanted to die. Um, well, when he Kelly's first knuckle tie. curve was disgusting. But yeah, and you know maybe Kelly's a different beast. Because he's a two-time World Series champion with multiple other teams or multiple teams. How many guys could say, yeah, I've won a World Series, not just with one team, but with two? Um, He's a great pitcher. Make it three. So, yeah, let's make it three. Uh, You know, that's a great sign, Joe, actually. Wherever Joe Kelly goes, success follows. So, hopefully he's healthy. He also has kind of an attitude, too. He hates Carlos Correa, and he's in the division now. He'll make his little – I love that. (laughs) I love it, too. 
And I need to see the White Sox and Twins play an intense game where Joe Kelly just smacks talk someone. I like to smack talk, so Joe Kelly's my guy. Yeah, I love it. And speaking of our guys, this is the Put It On The Board segment, gentlemen. There was a lot of good stuff going on with the offense this weekend. Um, it's really hard to, to just pick one person. But, Zim, uh, who are you going to go with for your Put It On The Board Player of the Week? Uh, Lou Bob. Easy. He just he showed up. I, I mentioned – Last week to you guys when I picked him as my put put it on or as my pick to click or whatever we're calling it. Um, when I mentioned him to you last week, you know, he's been close. He's been getting there. He's starting to get more and more dialed in. And this week he he put it together. You know, you see it right there, six hits, you know, yeah, three strikeouts. He's a high strikeout guy, though. That's just what happens. He's that kind of player. 375 average with a bomb. Yeah. Look at that OPS. Where is it? Oh my goodness. Nice. It's a very nice OPS. Yes, it is. 1069 right there. Um, he's just, he's finally starting to put it together. Uh, so I really like seeing that. Um, you knew he was gonna, it was just a matter of time. He was just getting unlucky for a good part of the year, you know, hitting bombs that were just, you know, getting blown back by the wind because it's April. Um, hitting it right at guys, you know, he's fine. Starting mm-hmm. to find the gaps, starting to put it past him, put it over the wall. So yeah, Luis Robert, pretty easy for me. Who you guys got? Vinny, who's your pick? Yeah. Well, Zim took the guy I would have taken had I went first. I think Luis Robert was the best player on the team and it wasn't close because not only was he outstanding offensively, he's a very stout defensive center fielder. He saved the game against the Cubs. I mean, there's just yes, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, I think literally, it was he literally ran fans. into a brick wall. He ran into a brick wall. I gasped. I was ready to cry. I will cry. You think I won't cry over this team? Try me. I almost like I need that Ivy to grow and Rick. I don't care anymore. The Sox aren't playing there anymore. But um, that's just awesome. That play he made. There were runners on base. If he doesn't make that catch, the White Sox probably lose that game to the Cubs. So, and it really kept the winning streak going. It made it three and, or it made, it made it two. And it was like, okay, this is really, really a good time right now. Luis Roberts feeling good. He's not scared. He's not treading water out there in the off field. So I think he brings just as much on the defensive side of things as he does the offensive side of things. But if I'm going to pick somebody else just to, you know, piggyback off of Lou Bob, it's TA. I can't imagine a player other than TA leading off for this team. I mean, he's he's got the home run, you know, a huge home run at that to give the White Sox some life against the Cubs. In what was probably the least likely home run conditions, I mean, it sure. was just so bad. You guys probably saw that video of Dylan Cease predicting the future. Um, and Giolito goes, nah, nobody's hitting a home run here. And this is a guy who's given up home runs to Pluto. Love Giolito. He'll give up the solo shot every now and then, mm-hmm. though, and it's always a bomb. Tim Anderson was like, nope, I can hit one out in the freezing mist. I can do it. And 375 average to go with it. He's one of three White Sox with an OPS over 1,000 for the week. There's no better thing than TA getting two to three hits a game. You guys want free money? Throw every couple games, throw a little money on Luis Parlay, Luis Robert, and TA to each get a hit in a game hit a couple times for me the the, the like bookies that. are on to me though the bookies are on to me though because 
almost every game now it's a hit and a half for each guy. And that I can't go near. The the real bookies or the 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 web app bookies? The legal bookies. I'm I'm a legal guy. I, I do it the legal way now. Now. <laughs> Speaking of gambling, uh, it's a great segue. I don't know if you guys saw this, but in left field today, they pre- premiered the new signage for the yeah. Caesars Sportsbook app at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, they they have an official deal with the team now. So you'll be seeing them there. Eventually, they're going to try to get live betting at the games. I, I don't think that's going to happen for the immediate future. Uh, but when they do build that big old Bally's Casino in downtown Chicago, I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of White Sox logos in that state in that casino so just a little sidebar uh, a lot of people you know some people upset about it some not me i could care less pay the team the advertising bucks and we'll take it um but i'm gonna go pick sign my players pick. jerry take that yeah, money go and sign do something some, with it yeah the trade deadline's coming up here in july uh, yeah july go 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 get somebody um but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a guy that that zim loves i'm gonna go with larry garcia this guy was just on fire this week. He hit 400, you know, six for 15. But most of all, an OPS of 1.042. Uh, three ribbies this week. He even stole a bag. Uh, I mean, he scored. He only scored one run. But at the end of the day, he's getting it done. He got three RBI. I mean, what more can you ask from Larry Garcia, a guy that we all wanted to uh, chop his head off the week before? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean – Play well, and I love you. That's that. Yeah. The Larry Legend's back this week, and we'll hopefully it continues this week. But uh, our buddy Gonzo, who can't be here with us tonight, he would pick Jose Abreu, and we'll talk a little bit about why in just a moment. So I'm going to put this screen away if I can get my mouse to come back. Thank you. No, I didn't even know you picked Tim Anderson last week. That would have been my second place vote. Thank you. Yes, and I was actually about to pick up our picks to click from last week. So I came in last. It's, it says this week, but it, it's actually last week's. Uh, Tim Anderson was my pick. Gonzo went with Jose Abreu, Zim, Luis Robert, and Vinny Lucas Giolito. And for and for and for Vinny to come in last with Giolito, who had a pretty good game, mm-hmm. you know that's that says a lot about the week that we had. But I'm going to pull this back up. Giolito had this two was, mistake pitches. Yeah, that he gave up three runs, which is one more run than you'd like to see your starter give up. So this was a bit of a contention between the South Burbs Hitman crew via text message this afternoon. Gonzo believes that he should have won for Jose Abreu. I made the decision as the lead host slash producer that Zim would get the win for Luis Robert. I think the OPS stands for itself. 1.069. He was just electric. He had that game-saving diving catch. And I mean, I even I could have easily picked Tim Anderson for myself as well, as Vinny pointed out. Um, but if there's anyone in the chat, I'm just curious, just unpartial. Who had a better week? Luis Robert, stats right here. I'm not going to let say him out loud to try to skew your thoughts. Or Jose Abreu, stats right here. But Vinny had a great idea earlier, and I think I'm going to do this every week now moving forward. So thank you, Vinny, for the idea. Every Sunday night, I'm going to put out a poll, and I'll let I'll let Twitter decide who wins the pick to click every single week. 
Well, the White Sox do it for their player of the game, and the winner almost always lines up with who should be. Twitter, for the most part, does vote for statistics. And when you look at the statistics of our picks to click last week, they go in order. Lou, Tim, Jose, Giulio. Yeah, that's it. You know, people put a lot of stock in RBI, but there's more to it than that. Robert literally won us probably – I'm I'm curious what his WAR is. I'd have to go look it up, but uh, he did great. It varies from week to week. An argument can be made no matter what. Um, We're having an argument in the NBA right now about, you know, the MVP conversation there because some people feel that another guy was more valuable than another. Who's to say? Well, decisions have been made. So, you know, we, we, uh, we take our decisions, we hang our heads high on them and we move along. My favorite statistic in baseball for offense is OPS because it's your on-base percentage plus slugging. So it takes into consideration your power numbers and your ability to get on base. And Luis Roberts, if he had that over a season, he would win the MVP by far. No doubt. And T.A. is the MVP of the team this week. And Jose Abreu's OPS was in the 800s. That's an all-star. I consider like 700 like an average average to good player. 800s like a really good player to all star 900 to a right. thousand is like MVP level. And exactly. Robert is the most valuable defensive player on the team, not close. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all definitely happy that he's on our team. But uh, Zim, you win. Congratulations, first and foremost. So, Thanks. who are you who are you gonna go with this week for your pick to click? Do you guys have any idea how tempted I am to take Larry Garcia? Um, I'm not going to only because only because of the return of Yoan Moncada, who has been tearing it up at triple a I'm going with yo-yo making a big splash in his first week back. Um, like I said, today. I want to take Larry. He makes a strong case. I would understand if any one of the other three members of this show wanted to take him. Um, he does, you know, play more than one position, which is why he's so valuable to this team. He's made appearances at first base, second base, right field, center field, and third base, I believe. And that's just in the month of May. Um, yeah, I love I might be, I might be mistaken slightly on some of that, but I know for sure he's played all those positions so far this year. And we're only, what, five weeks into the season? So, yeah, you know, the, the guy does everything that's asked of him. He is a hell of a contributor to this team. Um, again, if not for Yoan Moncada making his comeback – and I'm sure he's going to push Tony's hand to put him in the lineup more this week. So, uh, at any rate, I'm talking about a guy I'm not even picking. Yoan Moncada is going to make a, a big splash in his in his week first week back. He was playing great down at AAA. Um, he hit, poof, I want to say like over 500 in his little rehab stint down there. He his is OPS seeing the ball. Over yeah, OPS over a thousand. Like I said, I think his average was at minimum over 400, if not around the 500 mark. And I know this isn't a really limited um, and a really limited field of view against players that he should be dominating, frankly, at the level of play that he is at. But I I think he carries through. I think he's got a lot of confidence right now coming off of his injury as well, which is going to help him immensely. I am all about the mental part of the game, uh, contributing just as much as a guy's physical talent. So, yeah, Yoan Moncada, that's my guy this week. There you go. I love it. 
Um, so I'm going to be a gentleman. And and even though I came in second, technically, with Tim Anderson, I'm going to give the second pick to Gonzo, who texted me his choice earlier today. It was either going to be Yoan Mankata or Luis Robert. Uh, so by default, he gets Luis Robert, which is his second choice, which is fine because I'm going to stick with who I picked last week. I'm going to stick with Tim Anderson as my pick to click. I think he's going to have a great week coming back home. Guardians, Yankees. You see what you saw what he did last time against the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game. More of that to come from Timmy. So sign me up for all of that. And Vincenzo, who are you going to go with? That's kind of hard because I've taken a pitcher two weeks in a row now, and yes, one of them have. worked out. One of them worked out for me. Giolito pitcher. I thought he would get a second start, Giolito. And my math was just a little wrong. And I think, yeah, I just messed up the math a little bit. Keichel also went a day later than I thought he was going to. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a hitter. I'm going to go with – this is really hard. I'm going to go with Yasmani Grendahl because Grendahl has been ice cold in terms of the power numbers. And we got a big week here at Guaranteed Rate Field where the weather's warm, the ball's going to be flying. And the one thing he does very well with his bat is just blast baseballs to Pluto. And the Miller Lite take flight deck, that's going to be seeing a lot of Yasmani Grendahl baseballs over the next week or so is my prediction. So it, it's time for him to get out of what I call a slump for him. I it like is it. a slump for him for sure. Vinny, I'm sorry. He's not going to win. He's not seeing the ball well right now. I just have well, to I have to throw in I have to throw in my two cents. You can tell when Yaz is starting to get hot because he gets a lot of walks. All of a sudden he starts walking all over the place, and you're like, he's seen what's going on here? He's walked like four times in the last three games. And then he just starts blat like you said, he starts blasting him to Pluto. I don't think it's gonna happen yeah. this week for you, man. I just have to throw in my two cents on that pick. I'm sorry. It's possible. He has one tonight, and it was funny, it was four straight pitches. Boom, uh-huh. boom, 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 first. And, and then in his next at-bat, he struck out on a curveball in yep. the dirt. So, you know, yep. he he's having a weird start to his season, like all the way around. I, I think I think this Reese McGuire acquisition is actually kind of messing with his mojo a little bit. I know this isn't really a segment to talk about. I haven't been on in a few weeks, but it's something I've been noticing is McGuire's getting more and more time behind the plate, and Yaz is starting to become a DH more and more. And I don't know if they're just trying to save his knees for later in the season or – what exactly is going on there, but we'll find out soon enough. Um, but PZ says nine. I think Timmy just blasted one. Oh, nope. Nope. Ah, uh, you got me excited, man. That's all right. Yeah, he did not. That's okay. But uh, what we should do is we can dive into the look, the look at the week upcoming. Our buddy Gonzo prepares a segment for us that I like to edit for him in what we like to call White Sox Weekly. So why don't we take a look? Yo, what up, everybody? This is Gonzo here, and this is White Sox Weekly. And to start off the homestand, the White Sox are going to go up against the Cleveland Guardians. And starting game one on Monday, it's going to be Michael Kopech versus Zach Plesek. 
Um, both right-handers, um, well, both are pretty doing darn good. Michael Kopech got taken out of Wrigley on a high pitch count, so he's looking to bounce back and digging more into the ball game to get that dub. And hopefully the boys bounce back versus Plezak. They didn't get to him as bad as I thought last time. Um, game two is going to be Chad Quindrell versus Lucas Giolito. Um, that's going to be another good righty matchup. And then game three is going to be Saval for the Guardians versus likely Vince Velasquez, although uh, Lancelin might have a shot at coming back. We'll have to see. And the hottest hitter, of course, is Jose Ramirez. Once again, for the Guardians, he was the player of the month for April. So let's see if uh, Tony actually decides to pitch around him, possibly for the first time um, since his tenure began last season with the Sox. Series 2 on the homestand for the White Sox is going to go up against the New York Yankees, who are off to a hot start for the season in the AL East. Um, unfortunately, though, for the White Sox, this series is actually going to be at home and not at not in Iowa this time, but at guaranteed rate field in a four-game series starting Thursday through Sunday. Yankees haven't announced any starters yet as they have a shortened uh, series with the Blue Jays. Uh, but to my guess, it's going to be game one. Dylan Cease, who is absolutely Cy Young caliber right now for the White Sox, going up against Garrett Cole. Um, I'd imagine game two is going to be uh, Keuchel versus um, Montgomery. And then game three is going to be Michael Kopech versus probably um, Talion, who used to be from the Pirates, but the Yankees picked him up last season. Pretty good right-hander. And then game four is likely going to be Lucas Giolito versus Cortez. Now for the White Sox. It's a dangerous lineup um, that they're going to go up against with Aaron Judge and Stanton and just DJ LeMahieu. Just a lot of good good batters in that lineup. Um, it's going to be one hell of a series and definitely one for potentially a uh, playoff uh, series for the White Sox. And, uh, you know, they're, they're used to it as they, they began off the season with two AL contenders and now they're going to go up against the big boys in New York, the Bronx Bombers. Um, gonna be a great series at home. Furthermore, just a few things to go over with this homestand coming up. First two AL contenders, um, at least with the Yankees, cause the Guardians, they might be a little uh, feisty in the division this year, but I don't think they have the true testament over the stretch of the season. Um, but their pitching is still pretty decent with Jose Ramirez. It's going to be one hell of a divisional fool to play. But we're, we're going to have to see how the defense looks coming back with Mancada coming back into the lineup. Um, should be a true testament to get everyone back together and um, competing with each other and to make, you know, good turnarounds around the bases. Um, it should be an interesting to see how the boys work out. Um, with Harrison, um, up you know Harrison T A up the middle and Mencada finally at third base, uh, but the pitching is should be efficient as it's always been. Um, the really true testament is going to be if Tony will adapt to the game and pitch around the game uh, changing hitters and Jose Ramirez and Aaron Judge um, for the two series here, and I'm sure Cease, Kopech, Hendricks. We'll be we'll get the nod to go against them, um, but anyone anyone other than that, I would definitely like to see Tony pitch around it for a change and uh, see what you know 
what goes about it really. And don't forget, Gonzo might be coming back here shortly, um, looking like next week for our next show. Guys, back to you. Thanks for that report, Gonzo, and maybe you'll be back with us next week. We will see. We'll use this opportunity to plug our guest for next week. We have Missy Carroll joining us from Southside Behavior. Uh, if you haven't followed her on Twitter or on Snapchat, there's some really funny stuff there. Um, definitely giving you the insight into the life of a White Sox fan, especially when you're tailgating in the lot right there over there. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. And who knows, maybe Gonzo will be with us then. But, guys, this, I think we, we've talked at length about the series with the Guardians. What are your expectations into the series against the Yankees? And, Vinny, do you really think we're going to see Dallas Keiko get a start against the New York Yankees? Um, Yeah, I do. Because um, Gonzo mentioned Lynn in his report that was confirmed to not be the case today. Yeah, um, I saw that. It will be Vince Velasquez. We won't see Lynn probably till the end of May, early June, which sucks, but I'd rather him be fully healthy and ready to go. Oh, um, if Keiko pitches against the New York Yankees, you just pray for the best because that team can – they can hit the ball. There's no doubt about it. Um, I believe the White Sox can hit their pitching. I will be – Content if Cole goes against Cease because Cease has been magnificent this year. I, I trust Cease against any pitcher in the American League pretty much. And listen, he'll lose games, guys. There's going to be there's gonna be a game where Dylan Cease gets shelled. It's going to happen. It happens to every pitcher in the league. Garrett Cole, sure. Garrett Cole got pulled after two and a third a couple weeks ago. You know, this stuff happens. Um, hopefully Cease is able to have a good game against the Yankees, though, because I think they need it then – more than ever. I think White Sox-Yankees is becoming something. The Field of Dreams w- was insane last year. Um, the White Sox went 1-5 and five against them, too. And people talk about the White Sox having bad records against good teams last year. That narrative really only existed because of the New York Yankees. Because they totally. went 3-3 uh, three and three against the Rays. They went 3-3 three and three against the Astros. Or 3-4 and four against the Astros. Um, who was the other? Like Oh, they went 3-3 three and three against the Red Sox. Three and three against the Blue Jays, three and three against the Mariners. They literally went 500 against almost every good team in the American League last year, except for those New York Yankees that they went one and five against. And that's pretty much the reason that that narrative existed. I stand by that. That you don't you don't do so bad against good teams and win 93 games. That's just not how baseball works. No. So, I I think they can beat the Yankees. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that. They'll be, you know, if they were to sweep the Guardians, that would be a nine-game winning streak. They're not taking a nine-game winning streak into that series. If they did, that'd be sick. But, yeah. you know, that stuff doesn't always work out that way. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think they could beat them. Yeah, I think they will too. I just really hope I don't have to sit and watch Dallas Keuchel pitch on Friday. I might have to take forks and stab my eyes out. You might. Did he say Cease versus Cole on Saturday? I think he said Giolito versus Cole. I'd have to go back and look at it. I think uh, I think that would be my game. It's just guesstimated right now. Yeah, well, of course. But the five days 
it'll probably line up along those lines. Because even if Cueto starts in AAA and they sign him, he won't start till next week. So, Oh, what fun we have to look forward to. But either way, it'll be fun going to the ballpark. My first one of the year. It's going to be fun. First time away from the kid. Ooh. It'll be interesting. Yeah. That's... Um, big, big time stuff there. But, gents, let's get into this week's hot topic conversation. We like to call it the guaranteed take. Let's dive in. And Zim, you dived into this a little bit when you joined the show. Vinny and I lightly talked about it at the top of the show. But uh, Jake Berger was sent down today. Uh, some people think he well, he shouldn't have been. Hot take here. Danny Mendick should have been sent down instead, or even Gavin Sheets. Since you alluded to it earlier, Zim, I'll let you start with the floor here. Should Jake Berger have been sent down? Yes. Jake Berger's the new kid on the block. He's got to earn his stripes, whether you like it or not. That's how Tony's going to run this club. Um, it's not necessarily about seniority. It's about who deserves to be there. Uh, Jake hasn't, hasn't cut his teeth the same way the other guys have. Uh, when, when, when has Jake Berger won the White Sox a game? Right? The, Ra- the Rays game earlier this season on Apple TV. Okay, that was one game. Which is great, but how many games has Gavin Sheets won the White Sox? I can think of a handful off the top of my head just from the last two years. Danny Mendick? Yeah, I can see why you can make the argument for Danny Mendick, but again, he's got more service time in the bigs, and frankly, he's more flexible than Berger. He can play more positions. Um, I think he's more comfortable with a bench role, whereas Berger, because of the role he's played in his minor league career, he's a, a... a day, um, a daily driver kind of guy. He, he gets in a groove and needs to stay in his groove. Whereas Mendick is comfortable with the show up when you need to show up role. So unfortunately between the roles that these guys play, the way Tony manages his roster and, you know, just the general feel of the, of the clubhouse and of the team, I think it was the right move. It sucks for burger. Um, and it sucks for fans because we've wanted to see this kid for a long time. And it was nice to finally see him get his chance. But unfortunately, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And you know, he'll get a shot, he'll get a shot later in the season for sure. You know, he'll be back. Even if even if it's just September call-ups, you know, if it's just September call-ups, that means everybody's been healthy the rest of the way. Which I mean, I think we would all be okay with that. So he'll get his shot. Yeah. He certainly will. Vinny, was this the right call? Um I'm kind of with Zim. I also think it could like go either way. Um, you could go Mendick Sheets or Burger, and there's a reason to complain for all three. If it were Mendick, it'd be well, you sent down the guy who's the hottest of the three. If you sent down Burger, you sent down the cool story kid who probably has the highest ceiling. And if you send down Gavin Sheets, you send down the big lefty bat in the lineup. So it's like. You know what this means? The White Sox are deeper than they've ever been, and we have to complain about what what pretty good player they get to send down. Yeah, I'm with you, Vinny. That's kind of where I was going to go with it. I'm like, isn't this a great problem to have? We're talking about three quality bats 
that a lot of other teams probably couldn't even dream about. Honestly, I mean that in, in the best way possible. Uh, Jake Berger, great story. His girlfriend, Ashlyn, joined us last week. And that was a great interview. If you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. Spoiler alert, in the near future, we're going to have Ashlyn and Jake Berger join the show. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that. Working on that as we speak. But I think it was the right call, unfortunately. Um, the more in, I was upset when I saw the news just because I, I, I love Jake Berger. I think we all kind of are in that place, especially the story, what he's been through, the great guy he is. But uh, he filled in admirably for Yohan Mankata. Uh, kept third base moving. Um, the bat was even there. He hit that big home run against the Rays. You know, he's getting it done offensively, as good as you could hope for in the absence of Mankata. He'll be back. This team will be back in a place yeah. where they're going to need his services. So You know, and in the end, I think this is actually the best move for Jake. Like, He's going to go down to AAA and he's going to get the reps that he needs. You know, he's effectively lost two, even three years, I think, due to injury in his uh, minor league career. So he's going to get those reps that he needs to, to get his career where he's where he wants it. Because, I mean, we're going to talk to him later in the year, but I'm sure if you asked him right now, are you the best player you can be? No, he knows he can get better. And where is he going to get better at the place where he gets the most opportunity to play? And right now that's at AAA. And the even cooler part is he's going to get the opportunity to do what I talked about earlier and, and gain that versatility. You know, the team is going to say, all right, seems like the big league club kind of needs some help at second base when you're up there. Why don't we get you some reps down here? You know, where it's not as big of a deal, where there's not as many eyes on you, where you can get accustomed, where you can learn. That's what this is for at this stage of his career. So I really think it's the, it's the best move for Jake Berger in t- on top of all of it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think I misspoke when we interviewed Ashlyn last week because I think I said he was at the COVID Schomburg facility. I don't think he was. I, I, I would have to go back. So. I, I would have to go. And she was probably thinking in your in her head, like, no, he wasn't, you stupid idiot. But he like, was in AAA, wasn't he? Most well, there was no AAA. Never mind. Fucking like, so, so weird. I'm <laughs> thinking like the Schomburg facility that they had for the 40 man that wasn't on the major league roster. The Cubs played at Notre Dame and the White Sox were at the Boomer Stadium, you might remember. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Jake Berger was not on the 40 man because, like, how do you have a guy coming off two Achilles injuries like that bad at the Schomburg training facility? He's never getting called up. They only brought yeah. in guys that could get called up at any given moment. And I just like here it is and get a lot of time off in 2020. He was not part of the uh, roster. He played in a collegiate summer league. It says, yeah, it was his first time playing baseball since 2017 that season because he lost all of those seasons to injuries back to back Achilles. And I think he had an ACL or something in there as well. Yeah. You're right. And that's, that's a lot of time away from pro pitching, whether it be because be, even being at the Schomburg facility would have been better for him. But the Schomburg facility was reserved for guys who would get called up in case it was basically their AAA team 
for right. the short 60 game COVID year. Man, that stuff was so weird. I honestly will never forget that as long as I live. How interesting yeah. that was. Like the Cubs are pulling in guys from Notre Dame and the White Sox are pulling in guys from Schaumburg instead of Charlotte and Iowa. Like it was just weird yeah, to be funky, like covering all that stuff. Year. Yeah, it was weird. Well, guys, we talked about how this is the best move for Jake right now. Uh, it's also the best move. It's the better move for our show because the Charlotte Knights are off every single Monday night. Very good. Southside Mondays. Let's get them on. That's right. Let's. Uh, I'll get to work on that. Ashlyn, if you're watching, I'll be in contact with you soon. But we've reached the tail end of the show. We got through all the great content. We always like to keep it lighthearted at the end of the show. Get a little fun debate going. Kind of usually has something to do with food because why? Why not? Everyone's everyone needs a late night snack. But because so look at the gonna... three of us, we like to eat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can't argue. Sorry if there. I'm breaking any news to you guys, but I mean, look at us. I you can tell by our appearances we like to eat. What's that, Vinny? I review rainbow cones for a living. That's right. So we're going to take it outside of the park this time. And and Zim has been to a game with me, and we hit a couple spots. But you know, what's your favorite spot to hit before or after a ball game at the rate? Vinny, you and I can go with before and after. Zim, we could just go with before because, you know, after the game. Well, you did kind of have to hang out at a bar waiting for your Uber. So I Yeah, guess, I did. Uh, <laughs> I guess we could let you go first then. Uh, no, I mean, as, as the visiting Chicago boy, what's your uh, spots near the park that you enjoyed? So I'm not much of an after the park kind of guy. Like the the ball game is the the climax of the evening or the day for me. So I go, I go home afterwards. Even when I go to games out here in Denver, like I go to the game. If I'm going to do anything, I do it before and I go home afterwards. I it's just, I don't know. That's just the way I am. I get it. Some people like to uh, keep the party rolling. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. As far as before the game out here, um, you know, we, we got a handful of joints, nothing, that, nothing like what you guys got back home. That dog spot you took me to 35th street. Um, that was awesome though. That was exactly what I'd hope for. You know, I'm originally from the North side. So like Gene and Jude's is more my vibe, but it was, I mean, practically the same thing. I mean, Sure. I, I I hate to sound like that guy, you know, because I'm I'm not in Chicago, but a Chicago dog's a Chicago dog. As long as it's made right, you can't mess it up. So if it's good, it's good. I, I was happy to have big, a good hot dog. Facts. Yeah, 35th Street Red Hots is a solid, <clears throat> solid option. And it works for both going to the game or after. Because that's if you can hit it and take that bag in your car. It'll be sopped and greased by the time you get home, but it'll be even more delicious. So Vincenzo, let's toss it over the fence to you. Um, we're both going to go before and after because I feel like we've been to places after the game. But uh, who is your who? What is your before game spot? Before is Rico Bani. Um, I believe it's on Rico Bani's. Believe it's on thirty first. It's on thirty first um, Street. That's correct. Just off thirty first. Steak and cheese sandwich or the. Um, Sicilian uh, strip steak sandwich. It's all delicious. Um, loaded with cheese, loaded with the red sauce. Um, they, they have pretty good pizza. Not a lot of people know that. One time I did indulge in having a slice just to see what it tasted like. Um, yeah, Rico Benny, just outstanding food. The sandwich 
it's so good that sometimes when you eat it, you just don't eat when you go in the ballpark. It sucks because the ballpark that, has great food. That breaded steak sandwich, by the way, voted by USA Today, the best sandwich in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, it is so good. I can't believe I spaced this out, but, you know, Joe, we went to that game. I went to another game the next day, and before that game, that's what we had was the breaded steak sandwich. And like You went to Rick Benny's? How did you not tell yeah. me this? Dude, I, I don't even know. Like, it's because we, we went tailgating. I met uh, a buddy there. And he just like had it sitting there waiting for. It. I mean, you want to talk about a good dude? He just had steak sandwiches sitting there w- waiting for us. Uh, we walk up, we're like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" He's like, "I'm not shaking hands. Here's a beer. Here's a steak sandwich. Get to eat." What'd you guys have on the sandwich? <laughs> What'd you have on your steak sandwich? But it was just just the re- just a uh, parmesan the style, red sauce. red sauce, and cheese. Yeah, that's yeah. the only way to. I mean, yeah. you can do a little jardinier once in a while. I was gonna say I put a little jar. Sure. I like a little heat, a little crunch. But I mean. It's really, really good. I come from an all Italian family and they love it. For them to compliment something that's Italian from a restaurant, it speaks volumes of how good it is. Because most things that you eat, my mom could have made it better at home on Sunday. Like, you know what I mean? But like with the Rico Bini sandwich, it's just so good. And then after, uh, Joe, I'm not going to steal your thunder on where to go after because I know that that's your place and I feel more comfortable going there with you specifically. Like, I'll go there with anybody. I'm not an idiot. But specifically, I feel more comfortable going with you. So I'll leave that one to you. So I'll give an honorable mention to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Buffalo Wings and Rings, they have the 108 section in there. It, it's good yeah. stuff. I enjoy going to eat wings there. And, you know, it, it's a good place. They got a bar, TVs for days. You can watch the recap of the White Sox game, whatever night game's going on, whether it be like the Padres or the Dodgers, any good baseball that's on late at night, other sports. So. The Rockies, come on. The Rockies, dude, Sim, they're doing so good, man. So, yeah, I I like Buffalo Wings. I haven't watched a second of Rockies baseball this year. I'm just pulling your leg. I'm curious, Vinny, what did you think I was going to pick for my after? The hot dog place. I mean, Zim already said it. I mean, I do like to go there after sometimes. I'll go before. It's, it's definitely a quality spot. I, I won't choose it because Zim already chose it, but okay. it's definitely a good option. I like it at night uh, in the summer because, like, you could sit outside. I don't rush back to the car. You eat it there. And if it's yeah, warm out, the you can sit there. Plenty of you wait, to, wait out the traffic. Yeah, wait out the traffic. Your friends, it's warm. The food's good. You get yourself a soda. You they take cash only, so make sure you bring cash. All right, isn't it still cash only? It's weird because inside oh, yeah. the ballpark, cashless. So you have all your cash left over because nobody would take it at guaranteed rate field. So, you know, it's a good spot to wait out the traffic and enjoy your meal with a bunch of other Sox fans. So good. Yeah, there's there's so many great spots near the park. Um, uh, before the game, I, I do like going to Chai Sox Bar and Grill right across the street. It's run by the folks that run Gibson's. Uh, they have a quality burger, quality sandwiches. Uh, Vinny, what did we have? Cheese curds when we were there last time? Cheese Those were good. curds, cheese fries, beer. I think they have a really good buffalo chicken sandwich. I, yes, I was going to say that's what I had. It was good. That's another thing I didn't want to steal your thunder on because I probably would have never went in there had it not been for you. And I ended up going there like 10 times last year. Man, that yeah. place took so much of my money last year, honestly. <laughs> and it's convenient. You could stay in there till the last second. Yep. It, it's awesome. half off appetizers after the game because they've yep. probably been sitting all day, but that's all right. Yep. Um, but Zim was there with me. He enjoyed it as well. So that's a great pregame option. Uh, I'm going to give an honorable, well, I'll do this for the, for the post. 
Um, so that's a great pregame option. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do two for my postgame option. Uh, one of them is a to go, and the other is a sit down and enjoy. Uh, for my to go after the game, you go the opposite way of the ballpark. When you leave, you drive 35th away from the highway. You keep going down until you hit Phil's Pizza, which for me is arguably the best pizza in the city. Unbelievable. Um, even their straight cheese is absolutely amazing. You got to get it a little well done. It's perfect. They also have an Italian beef pizza there, Vinny, where they cook the beef under the cheese with the jardinere. Um, I tell you what, I'm not a kind of guy for like those funky pizzas, but it's, it's fucking delicious. Um, I don't swear on the show. It's fucking delicious. Um, so Phil's Pizza, you got to go after a game, get it to go. Another cash-only establishment. Well, they, I believe that actually they started taking cards recently, but there's a convenience fee paying cash. You get a free two-liter of your choosing anytime you order a pie. So, you know, get that on the way home. Save it until you get home because it's worth it. Um, so Phil's Pizza, if you haven't been, it's chef's kiss. And then for a sit-down option, um, if it's a day game, I don't I don't believe they're open that late after a night game, but uh, Franco's Restaurant, in I'd have to get the exact uh, address, but it's right off 31st Street. Italian restaurant. It's like you're going back home. Very... Very nice. It's a small inside spot. The food is absolutely unreal. Uh, they've got the chicken jardinere, which is like this delicious breaded chicken cutlet where they make their homemade jardinere and they put it on top. Delicious. Everything you can get there, you're not going to regret it. Delicious meal for a great price. And the bar has great drinks. Franco's, I'm going to pull up the rest, the exact address right now because I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. It's at 300 West 31st Street. So Franco's Restaurant, you can hit it. You can technically hit it before a game if it's a night game. Or if it's a day game, you can hit it after the game for a nice meal, wait out the traffic, and head home. So those are go. my options. Tons of great stuff in the neighborhood. Uh, special mention, Zim didn't give a post game, but after the game we went to, he walked over to Turtles, where he Turtles waited cool. for... He waited for his Uber for like 45 minutes in a crowd of drunken folks. So, Zim, you can speak to that experience. But Turtles is a great yeah. time. They got food, um, lots of drink and fun. And same thing with uh, Cork and Carry, which is right there. Great food, great drinks. But, Zim, how was that experience? Look, if that's your scene, it seems like a great time. Um, you know, we got, we got a spot across from uh, Coors Field that reminds me very much of it. Um, and uh, And frankly – Never really was my kind of place. Um, it's just, uh, it's a little loud for me. You know, everybody's yelling over each other. Lots of music going, lots of sports going. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong. Like I said, if it's your scene, it seems like a great time. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, it, it it really did. It reminded me of, you know, what, what we have is like our party district here in Denver. You know, we got like a, a three, a three block, um, a three block block. <laughs> of downtown you know Maybe we call lodo block. yeah we call lodo lower downtown you know and and it's right by uh coors field 
And it's just, it's the party district. I mean, from literally it's the only place that's true gridlock traffic in Denver. Like we, we talk about how crumb, how crummy traffic can be here and it gets true gridlock. It reminded me so much of that because it was just, again, the people who were there, uh, who knew what they were in for, like they were all having a great time. Everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. So good stuff, Sim, and great stuff across the board, fun options for before and after the game, tons of good stuff down there. And if you, if you want to get some, some swag, Zim and I and Vinny have been to Grandstand. It's on the corner of Wallace and 35th Street. You know, make your way over there. We'll see if we can get those guys back on the show again. Uh, that was, that was fun. Me. That's the first episode I watched as a fan. There you go. That's pre-Vinny. I got to say, Gra- Grandstand seems like a great place to like, even even if you're not like looking to go shopping or something, it's, it's a good way to just kill some time and see some unique Chicago sports memorabilia and merchandise, like just different from what you would see on the store shelf anywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of great, great product this year uh, across the board. New hats. They have they've had the Southside jerseys in stock pretty regularly over there. I know that was a hot commodity last season. A lot of people looking for them. It looks like they're going to be undefeated in those jerseys um, starting after tonight. They uh, went winless in them last year, too, which is hilarious. Yes, they did. And I was at both of those, well, two of those games, and it was brutal. So I'm happy to report that they are having the opposite effect now. Southside Mondays, maybe that's going to be the thing that turns us around. Uh, quick minor call out. I did see that the White Sox for the next three games are doing like this Modelo Cinco de Mayo special. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Vinny. Yep. Uh, you can get $5 and five cent tickets uh, for the next three days. I, I'm sure they're in the nosebleeds, but hell to get into a game for $5. That's, that's pretty awesome. So no excuse not to enjoy the warm weather and get out to a game. And uh, there's going to be some quality, quality of bats for some of these big offensive guns. Let's sweep the let's sweep the I almost said the Indians. Let's cleave the let's sweep the Guardians, which I'm never gonna get used to. And it's uh, it's not a good team name. No, it's not. But that's all right. Whatever. They don't have to be a good team name. I cannot believe they didn't do the spiders. Like they were the spiders in the early 1900s. Did you see the, the left fielder just drop that ball, guys? Yeah, uh, no, yeah, like just straight dropped it. Rosario just flat dropped it. Sorry, I mean it's it, that was worse than Sheets is earlier in the game. Well, now I know what's coming. Thanks, guy. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's okay. I I prefer to know that the White Sox are doing good things. I didn't mean to cut you off, any. Sorry. No, that's that's okay. What was I saying? I don't even remember what I was saying. The spiders. Oh yeah, how do they not be the spiders? I mean, they have Spider-Man colors. They could have like really jumped on that. It's probably Spider-Man's probably more prolific than any than he has been in any year. I just don't get how they didn't go with the spiders. They have the right colors. That used to be their team name. They needed a new name, and they didn't do it. I'll give you my prediction was that they they're right down the street from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cleveland Rockers would have at least made sense. Yeah, that's true. You could have had a guitar. I mean, whatever. I'm pretty sure the reason they did it, I don't know if you guys heard this story. They have like these pillars that are right outside the ballpark and they're called guardians. And that's why they're the Cleveland guardians. It's not like, it's not like gate guardian from Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like an actual like physical (laughs) sculpture, you know? 
Should yeah. the Bears have just changed their name halfway through the last century to the yeah, Chicago no. Soldiers, the Chicago yeah. Columns? Like, yeah, come the on, Chicago yeah. Column. No. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's like, not far just, off. It's <laughs> just, it's, it's, it feels lazy. It feels like they could have tried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Oh, well. That's it. We only got to deal with it for the rest of uh, baseball's existence. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, But we've reached the end of our show, gentlemen. We're at the shout-out portion. So, Zim, you're up first. You've been been, uh, on a a leave the last couple weeks. So what do you got for shout-outs? And feel free to fill the time. Well, hey, speaking of the end of baseball's existence, uh, I have been getting really into a similar sport over the last week or so, uh, some of you may have heard of Banana Ball, played by the Savannah Bananas down in Georgia. Uh, it is a game very similar to baseball with some altered rules, such as um, you cannot walk. You are not allowed to step out of the batter's box. Uh, the pitcher does not have to come set before throwing a pitch. Things of that nature. It makes for a very interesting game as AJ Pollock just tags a freaking ball to left field. Rosario at the track jumps, cannot make the catch. That ball bounces into about the fourth row there for a three run jack by AJ Pollock. Holy cow. What a shot right at the end of the Turning game. Turning it around, baby. At any rate, uh, yeah, I've been watching a little bit of Banana Ball. If you guys are interested, just look it up on YouTube. Um, games have a strict two hour time limit, um, so they, they go by pretty quick. Um, like I said, there's some altered rules, but the announcer usually goes over them before the game, so he'll keep you up to speed. Um, so, yeah, I strongly recommend for anybody looking to get a, into a little bit of weird baseball, give it a look. It, it makes me almost want to start a team or something like that. I don't know. Um, nice, man. Looks looks like fun. Looks like a lot of fun uh, for the guy, not, not just for the fans, but for the guys playing, too. Um, and I know there they've gotten go. some minor coverage, like on ESPN and stuff, but. Again, just something that I've been uh, using to pass the time lately. Um, different, it's a different take. And in addition to that, you know, the reason I haven't been around is because I am helping uh, coach my son's little league team. Um, he's playing coach pitch this year. And I mean, all those kids and other coaches and parents have just been awesome so far. We, uh, we had our first game on Saturday and nice. we don't keep score, but uh, you know, we, uh, but you kept score. We we made less outs than the other team. How's that? <laughs> well, there you go, man. That's fun stuff. So cool. yeah, it's it's been a good time. Um, it's it's really fun getting to help these kiddos uh, learn how to play. You know, it's it's really cool seeing kids that young playing too because you know you, you get to see which kids have the drive, which kids are just like naturally good at this kind of stuff, and and which kids uh, you know have that combination that you're like. Yeah, he's only six, but he could do something. You know, it's it's just fun. So it's a it's a new experience that I haven't had before. That's awesome, man. Congrats on that. Well, we're glad to have you back. And uh that's that's gotta be so cool. So congrats on that. Yeah. Vincenzo, shout outs, my friend. I'm very interested in banana ball. I can't wait to check this out. But my shout out for the week, um, my girlfriend Katie, it's six months tomorrow. So very excited about that. We're going to go out for some nice dinner. Um, it's going to be a good time. So it's been the best six months ever, um, best six months of my life. And I'm very much looking forward to the next six months to see what happens there. So 
I love you very much. And thank you for all the support. That's my shout out of the week. I love it, Vinny. I'm very, my heart, my heart is warmed and filled with joy. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean that. No, it's been I, very wholesome the last two weeks. We had Ashlyn gushing about Josh, Jake Berger last week, and now we got you. Nothing about love on the south side. You don't get this on the North Burbs Shipman or whatever the hell you call that podcast. Wow. <laughs> I just ruined my six-month shout-out, too. I, I couldn't He's have said it be better happy myself. About not going to be happy about no, that. No, it was great. It was great. Just don't – just just edit it. You'll crop it like you did last week with a shout-out to her sister. Um yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you for that, uh, everyone. Uh, oh, your mom's giving hearts in the chat room for you, Vinny. Oh yeah, she loves hearing the love. So, love, love is in the air. That's right. Speaking of love in the air, I'm going to give a, a shout out to my beautiful wife, Catherine, and our three and a half month old daughter, Audrey. We love. I love you both very much. And my great Dane. He's a little over two years old now. Maverick. Uh, Love you always, buddy. And I have a huge shout out to our guest tonight. Gabrielle Starr joined us. Uh, talk great Boston Red Sox talk. Um, perception about the White Sox from outside of outside of uh, Illinois and, and on the East Coast. So that was cool to see. So thank you so much for joining us, Gabrielle. We'd love to have you on again in the future. And that's all I got, boys. So uh, like I said, next week we have uh, – uh, Missy Carroll from Southside Behavior. That's going to be a fun show. Tune in for that. Don't miss it. Uh, all tons of great content on the Barroom Network this week. Vinny's got two more shows. That's right. Crosstown Crosstalk and Bar Down Blackhawks. Vinny, you got playoff hockey to talk about. Um, more baseball than just the White Sox and the Cubs. And, of course, you got Greg Gabriel talking football. Um, you've got Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. There's just so much stuff going on in this network. Make sure you subscribe and catch it all. Draft on tap, the Barfly Tailgate Show, you name it. It's here. Tune into the Barroom Network and subscribe. A huge thank you as well to Aldo Gandia, the barkeeper, the man with the plan, who lets us do this every single week. Aldo, we appreciate you. And now that's officially all I have, gents. So for the South Burbs Hitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Vinny Parisi. Below us is Steven Zimmerman. And Chris Gonzalez provided a video, and he'll be back probably next week. So for all of us, we're wishing you a great evening uh, and enjoy this White Sox win. They're up 8-2 to two in the bottom of the eighth, barring a total collapse, which if this happens, then I'm going to kick myself. But let's go, White Sox. Let's sweep the Guardians, and let's go kick some Yankee ass this week. Let's go, White Sox. Let's do it. See you next week. <laughs>